welcome to the podcast In Progress by TravelFit. I'm your host, Chris Walker, the founder of TravelFit. I'll be taking you on a journey where I interview small business entrepreneurs to worldwide celebrities, where we hear each person's stories and how they overcame their own challenges to achieve their professional and personal goals in life. We dive into how to create a successful life through health, fitness, and developing a stronger mindset, and how travel can impact our life for the better. If you feel stuck in life, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to today's interview. Today I'll be interviewing Ryan from the Mental Health Experience. Ryan moved to Australia with his family when he was younger, all the way from England. Facing some earlier challenges being brought up in a rough area, his dad leaving early on in his childhood, he found himself with an addiction to drugs from the age of 11. This came from never really feeling normal. It wasn't until he realised that life had more to offer that he started to change his life by firstly tackling his addiction. This started by training his body and then his mind later on. Ryan has been on a mission since. After he beat his addiction, he became a caseworker serving the community and inspiring others to change their life. He then created the Mental Health Experience to inspire more people to overcome their own challenges. With a new clothing line, a book and his growing podcast, One Talk, This podcast will shift your perspective and inspire you to take control of your own life so that you can help support people in your life with mental health issues today. Thanks so much for listening in. Thanks so much for joining the podcast today. Uh, Before we get into it, who are you and what is it that you do? Thanks for having me, mate. Um, I'm Ryan. I know sound English but I'm English. Um, what I do is I work full-time as a case manager for youth mental health. Um, I've been working in the mental health space for about three and a half, four years now. I have an online presence called Mental Health Experience where I create content, advice, a um, bit of coaching around mental health, mindfulness, mindset. We also create events as well every so often when COVID's not in the way. Um, I also have a podcast called One Talk Podcast, and yeah, I've got a few other things, but I think we'll go into it in the poddy. So what got you to this point now? So what was it that maybe if you touch on a little bit of your childhood that kind of mm-hmm. spawned you to go down this area? Yes, yeah, sweet. So um, with my childhood, um, as you know, for I grew up in Liverpool, England. Uh, I grew up in the suburb called Highton. It was a rough environment, um, just people trying to survive, essentially. And through that, it latched onto a mindset within myself going through my teenage years, which led into a kind of destructible path that I created for myself just from the mindset that I grew from my environment. And then I moved from Liverpool when I was eight years old over to Australia. Um, I first moved to Adelaide. 2005 lived there for four years and then my time in Adelaide was 
it was a tough transition into going from a surviving environment to a thriving environment. Because when you go from the mentality of looking over your back or being on your toes or always reacting and not responding. And I say react and not respond because when we react, it's usually a fight or flight response where it's an initial reaction. But with response, it's more in depth thought process of what you're actually going to give back to a situation that's happened. So I was more of in the reactive state in life and trying to make that transition from Liverpool over to um, Adelaide in Australia was tough, man. Like I saw hanging out with tough crowds, like I'd graffiti up my whole school um, at the age of eight, nine, probably nine I was when I graffiti up my whole school and going down the skate park and just stealing bikes and stuff like that and staying out to God knows hours, just run the muck. And this is from the ages of eight till 11 down in Adelaide when all that was happening. So what kind of got you around, you know, hanging around those people that may have influenced you in that particular way as well? I think it was growing up, it's what I knew through family, surroundings, environment in general. I think, I know, I think I believe that it was due to, it's all I knew. You know, I grew up in environments where it wasn't positive, you know. Like I said, it's all that reactive, not responsive. And then when I got to Adelaide, it was like I felt safe because that's where I felt comfortable. And obviously where you're most comfortable, you feel safe. And I felt safe in chaotic environments. So I would involve myself in chaotic spaces as a youth, as a child, just so I could feel safe. And I felt like it was some sort of protection, not from others, but also myself. You know, I could put this mask on and be this certain person. And I felt like that would get me through my days in life as a kid. I think that's the biggest misconception, you know, as you probably know in like your, your field of work that. Yeah kids who are in trouble or you know getting themselves in certain situations whether that be drugs alcohol stealing uh, bad friends maybe even getting themselves sent to juvenile um it it's not because that's who they are it's just that they just want to feel connected to be part of something else would you say yeah exactly man and also you get labeled too like myself i got labeled growing up like we're talking now up to the age of when I was 11. So up to the age of 11, I was growing up just getting told I was the crazy kid. I was the acted out kid. I was the tantrum kid. So I got put all these labels about me where to the point I thought I was crazy. And then when I'd act out, like I didn't really understand what it meant because I thought that's what I was. And that's why I did it because I was labeled as such. So I continued to act that way. And do you think, you know, a huge thing with labels as well like even myself and I, I think I've said this in my own uh, podcast episode before or to other people is like you know I got labeled as having like an intellectual disability from school but you know that's the label that I believed until I realized it was that wasn't who I was who I was was someone who had a system that gave up on me so do you think that not having the support around those situations is what causes a lot of you know, young kids to kind of go down these dark paths as well, something that might be missing? Yeah, support and guidance, you know, you need someone within your environment to be able to guide you to a path that is a lot more healthier because when you're going down these roads in life, especially as a kid up to the age of 11, I was at this stage, you know what's right and wrong, you're just doing what you're taught and then you act in that such way that you believe that 
is what is life because that's what people around you showed you. I mean, they have that positive influence within your life. It's hard to act in a way where I guess quote unquote is normal. Um, so yeah, I think having a positive influence within a life or someone around, or even any age of life, you know, being good environments, you'll grow to your expectations and potential. And it's so interesting too, because, you know, you, like you mentioned before, like you've obviously struggled with, you know, addiction in your own life. Can mm. you touch on when that started, how you started to realize that was something that you had to overcome as well and how you overcame that? Yeah. So up to now we're at 11 in Adelaide. So I left Adelaide when I was 11. So 2009, I moved to Queensland in Brisbane. Um, it was towards the end of year seven and back in school, um, year seven was primary school when I went. So it was like that transition when I was going from primary school to high school. And then in that transition from seven to year eight, when I was 11, I got handed a joint, um, like marijuana, weed. Uh, and I didn't even know what it was. I didn't even know what smoking really was. I did to an extent because I grew up seeing my parents smoke cigarettes, um, but I didn't know what weed was. So I smoked it and I was like, this is the most calm I've ever felt in my life because I was always labeled as crazy. And then when I had that moment of smoking that joint at age 11, I felt that sense of calmness. I became hooked to that feeling from there on. So yeah, from the age of 11, I just became really deep and experimental to the point where it's damaging to my mental and physical health, the substance abuse. And that led you to other kind of alternative drugs as well. Yeah. So I started off with weed uh, from the age of 11 till probably 13. I wasn't really touched. I didn't touch anything else. I probably have a couple of beers every now and then. But I remember when I was about 13, I tried a ecstasy pill for the first time at a house party. So I started going to house parties when I was about 13. And I got handed an um, ecstasy pill from an older mate of mine. And once I had that feeling, I just wanted to chase every high I could get. And it didn't matter or, you know, it didn't matter what type of drug I was putting in myself. I just wanted to do it. I wanted that feeling of being high. I wanted that feeling to escape. I wanted that feeling to, I'd say, fit in as well and feel safe. Um, I think it was another way of me to rebel against everyone calling me crazy and all these labels I grew up with as well. So it's my way of taking control, but not realizing the way I was taking control was actually destroying me. So, yeah, from the age of 13, I started with ecstasy. And I was just taking anything I could. Like, I was smoking synthetic weed at one stage, and that was a very dangerous path that I went down. And then I started smoking ice. I went to school high on ice and speed. I'd go to school every day stoned off marijuana. Um, I was barely going to school. I'd go like 11 o'clock in the morning every day. That's when I'd first show up. Then I'd leave after um, the first lesson I'd go to. So I'd be at school between like 11 and 12.30. And then before school, it was just me getting high. And then I'd leave school so I can go get high again. And it's, it's quite interesting because it all started with, you know, you, you say like someone labeling you something and then you having a feeling that completely different to that label and you wanting to feel that way. So it was going against that label too, do you feel? Yeah, for sure. Because when I said the first time I smoked weed, 
it was the first time I felt calm in my life. And I felt like that was the solution to not be crazy. I thought if I keep doing this, I won't be crazy because I didn't know the dangers of substances or abuse or anything like that. All I saw is what I felt in the moment. And what I felt in the moment was bliss, but I didn't realize the bigger picture at the time because I didn't really have the mental capacity at 11 and also the knowledge either. And since then, you know, I think it's so interesting because like there's such a big stigma on people who take drugs or have alcohol yes. problems or who have mental health issues are crazy um, mm. or they don't deserve to, you know, they're just wasting their lives. But I think a lot of people forget that those people who are put in those situations are just, you know, doing the best that they can with what they know. And everyone has a story. And it's so interesting that you touch on like how from just being called one thing and it being something that labeled you, you instantly went from your thoughts to then your words and then to actions. And then that was your behavior. Yeah. I think a lot of people and, you know, myself in the past have struggled with, you know, not realizing how powerful, you know, someone else's words can be to someone, to yourself or someone, you know. Yeah. Cause it comes down to those um, limited beliefs condition beliefs that get put on us from a young age you know what we get told we are we believe what we get told we can't do we believe and all that just gets consumed without any outlet and it's just like what do those young people go and use as an outlet and predominantly is substances or stealing or sex or you know it can be in multiple areas of things so just whatever they grip onto as an outlet that's what they abuse and it's such a misconception with the youth man like because hurt people hurt people at the end of the day, you know, you hear that a lot, like someone that's been abused is an abuser as well. Not all the time, but it does happen in life. And that's because it's just them trying to find a way to deal. And when you see these youth walking around the street on drugs or alcohol, it's so easy to judge, but it's just like, what's the underlying issue happening here with these people? And what's the support we can put around these young kids to make sure that they don't follow this path for a long time and then put that through a generational trauma type situation. It's like they need to support these people rather than judge and neglect them. What do you think the biggest thing missing in today's society with rehabilitating, you know, some of these families, these kids, the young youth that really want to have a change, but they just feel like the services and support aren't there for them? Um, I think more awareness, more community awareness would be good. You know, like organizations are good, but I, I'm not too sure if they have too much of a community presence out there within the whole community, like within the mental health sector, 100% everyone knows each organization. But if you go knock, if you go walk down a random street in your neighborhood and ask them, do you know free services in this area that can help on substances, that can help on mental health within this area? and just see what answers you get. And I don't think the answers will be too flush. I think it'll be quite restricted with their knowledge around those resources. So I do believe having the community, like attention to the community is huge for that. And also finding ways to break the stigma around receiving help, because as we know, around the feminine and masculine energies, it's hard to tap into the both when one or the other can be criticised by people who don't understand it or who don't want to tap into their own masculine or feminine energy. So I think just breaking the stigma, having good leaders within the community, pushing the positive message as well and just making them aware of resources. Yeah. And with, 
you know, that awareness and those community events, that's something that you're looking into doing and are currently doing. So tell us a little bit more about the mental health experience. Mental health experience. Yeah. So mental health experience essentially started in June, 2018, I think. Yeah. June, 2018. So the reason mental health experience started was because when I quit substances at the age of 18, the weekend after my 18th birthday, I got clean off all the drugs. But when I first got clean off all the substances, that's when I dealt with all the suppressed emotions that were never there from the ages of 11 to 18. So from 11 to 18, every time I felt something, it would be suppressed, you know, like I'll give an example. I had a, I did like a chefing apprenticeship. I was there for two years. And the only day I went sober in that two years, my boss asked me if I was high, just to give you a bit of insight to how bad I was. So when I um, when I quit, all these emotions came up. Like I started feeling depression. I felt anxiety at increased level to the point where my best mate Bill will come around the house. I couldn't even leave my room and say hello to him. So that's when all this inner work and self-development had to start. So all these new things I was experiencing, I was able to regulate them, strategize and cope with all these new emotions and mental health issues that I was facing at that time in life. So once I started my self-development journey and got more of a grip on my mental health, I wanted to give an opportunity to give back to people, to give back to people that were suffering or going through a situation like myself or just bringing more awareness to my community. Cause I grew up in a community. I don't believe mental health was aware. I think I believe there was a huge stigma around it. So I wanted to break that over my community. I didn't even know what anxiety or depression was when I was 20 up to 20 years old. I think it wasn't until about, you know, when I went through my, my own, I guess, challenges as well, that I actually realized I had anxiety and depression, but I had no idea what it was. I was like, yeah, Someone said to me, they're like, have you ever done like a mental health check? And I was like, yeah, oh, that's for crazy people. I don't need to do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I've felt, yeah. Next thing you know, like I've got severe anxiety and severe depression. And, you know, that was a real eye opener for me because I'm like, wow, like no one really ever projected this onto me except this one person. Mm. And anyone who kind of talks about that stuff, you know, in my country town was kind of just like, nah, just, you know, eat some concrete, you'll get over it. Like it's just yeah. like a whinge kind of thing so yeah. that definitely what you said about like you know balancing out the fem feminine and masculine energy is hard and let alone being able for a, a young man um or young woman to express themselves without you know being in an unsafe environment or being too scared to actually express themselves takes courage and it it is one of those things like the more awareness that you start to project out there, the more, you know, you're going to inspire more people to create that snowball effect, which is so amazing. Yeah, exactly. Like you got to break that stigma within your own head of getting support. Like I remember the first time I went to a psychologist that was 19. This was because it was like a year after quitting the drugs and I was just all over the place. Like I couldn't leave my bedroom and it was pretty severe. So I went to a psychologist and, um, yeah, that was it, was, it wasn't for me because they tried to give me drugs and that was the thing I was trying to escape. Yeah. So I didn't go back. But what it did was it gave me awareness around depression, anxiety, which was able, which enabled me to work on it. Um, so yeah, I do believe like if recommended subscriptions, medication, I don't 
say don't do it because it does help you a lot. But for me, my path and my journey, I avoided that because it was while I was escaping. I wanted to find a different route to get grips of my mental health. So when I went to the psychologist, it gave me that awareness around um, depression, anxiety. And then from there on, I was able to do my own inner work within that. And I felt, felt like that came down to self-love self-appreciation and self-worth. I know those three get chucked around a lot and it sounds easy to do, but you got to find ways to reconnect with yourself and reframe your mind. And what what is it that kind of got you through to actually really commit to breaking that habit within yourself? So what, what got me to commit? So when I, I was like on and off through gym and then when I quit drugs, I tried to make that mistake like gym exercise and I just I literally just like torture myself in a workout every day but it wasn't helping there was only like a temporary fix and then I realized that all my energy is going outwards and I'm bringing no energy in so I was in a relationship at the time um yeah it wasn't a good relationship more on terms because as it was like six months after I quit substances, I got a girlfriend. It's just like I was not in the right frame of mind to be in that relationship. So I believe once that relationship ended was the first time I got to focus only on me. And I believe that's when my journey began. And I feel like this was whole journey began now. So I was 20 then. I'm 24 now. So the last four years. Yeah. So from that day, I became single from that relationship. And what was it in the last four years? Like, what what have you learned the most? What have I learned the most? I think I always, I've got a saying, it's called the marathon. So the marathon, you know, everyone is always trying to get results tomorrow, you know, and that's why people try to take shortcuts in life. But when it comes to overall happiness, peace and well-being, I don't believe there's a shortcut to it. I think it's a lifestyle. I believe that one to keep a healthy mental health and physical health, it's a lifestyle. It's not just a quick fix for two months and then you're good for the next year. I believe it's a balance that you got to incorporate nearly on a daily basis. So once I found that out within myself and I was able to implement all the tools and strategies that I've started to work on on a daily basis, it helped me get a grip to my mental health. Like gym, I always relied on gym. I was like, if I didn't go to the gym longer than two days, I'd be depressed again. I started to think, I was like, if if I break my arm and I can't go to the gym for three months, two months, or whatever the time period is, I was like, what's going to happen to me? So then I started to think and implement strategies that I could also put in place to help me with that. And that one was to get out of my comfort zone, which was meeting new people. So I'd go to just random spots and meet people and just have conversations and try and be open. And then, yeah, I feel that helped me heaps. Then once I started mental health experience, that's when I feel like it's only gone up since, because since I've been helping others and serving other people, it's helped me the most. So I find it very rewarding in the line of work that I do um because the amount of energy I put out there, I definitely receive it back in myself. You know, people always, say to me like you do so much and this in the space of the world of mental health but i just say like the amount i get from it back is is yeah it's remarkable i think that's why a lot of people you know you have to be selfish in life for sure but yeah. if you're just selfish and not selfless at times then 
you know, that's the real soul destroyer. When you realize the power of like, you know, doing something for someone else, building a connection, because personally, my belief is like in society is, you know, when there's disconnection, there's, you know, there's hatred, there's anger, there's resentment, there's all these negative emotions that, you know, start to build within us. And it's something mm-hmm. we actually, you know, when we start to connect more, not only with ourselves, but with others, that we start to feel like we're part of something. And when we feel like we're part of something, we feel like we're loved. And when we feel like we're loved, we're happy. Yeah. So if, you know, more people in a similar situation to you, if they're kind of, you know, their first step would be, you know, I personally, from an outsider's perspective, would be like change, you know, change the environment, hang around some people who are looking after themselves mentally and physically. What would be the first kind of piece of advice you'd have for them if they're trying to break a uh, an addiction, a habit that they haven't been able to and they're struggling to? This is one that I've been thinking about a lot lately because in terms of my addiction, I felt like the advice I was given was different to now because now I truly believe in what I'm about to say. I think when it comes to substance abuse, it's hard um, to get into a new environment then your addiction is still gone because when you get back in that environment, what are you going to do? Because you actually haven't worked on the problem. You've escaped it. So I feel like you got to be able to do the inner work to survive in the environment where you know you struggle the most. And that's what I did. Like even to this day, not to this day, but like hypothetically, I <laughs> hang around people that still do substances and um, I don't have the urge at all. I've yeah. done so much in the work that I can be around it. Like I could be around it all the time and it would not affect me because that's how I've done the inner work on myself so I can be in those environments and have no effect on me. So I do like the idea of getting into a new environment to be a substance, but for me personally, I'd say do inner work also so you can be back in those environments and not have any triggers. And what, what is the, that kind of inner work that you've done for yourself that other people could incorporate into to their own life to kind of start to go through that self-healing journey? For me, it was building willpower. So creating challenges for myself was the big thing. Knowing that I was in control of everything that I do. So if I create a goal on there, like lose 10 kilos by the next three months, I'd set myself out and do it. And the next one would be like, I right, only eat 1400 calories every day for 12 weeks. I'll do it. And the next one would be like, just whatever my mind doesn't want to do, I would do it. So mm-hmm. I'd always push my mind and bend what my mind was think, what my mind thought the possibilities were. So when it came to me being around substances again, I knew I was in control. I knew I could control any temptation that arises because I am the one with the power, not the temptations that I feel. Yeah. And also knowing the difference between temptation and discipline, like the reason temptation, I mean, the only reason discipline exists as well, because temptation is a thing. We all have temptation in life and it's all about building the the discipline to avoid the temptation around the things that you know you shouldn't be doing. So I think building that willpower and discipline within life is important in terms of substance abuse or anything that you struggle with in life. Yeah, that's huge. And I think it's so underrated working on willpower because, you know, a lot of people when they have no willpower 
and from prior experience in the past, you don't have willpower. You don't have the urge to actually do something. And when you don't have the urge to do something, you feel like you have no power to actually do something. Exactly. And I felt like that a lot too. Like I felt like when I would, when my mom would tell me I couldn't do something, I'd just sit there and be like, I can't do it. But I tried to use that as fuel to do it. So no matter what my mind thought, I would do the complete opposite and show my mind that I had control. And it was like, like I said, it was little things. Like I'd walk past a pool and I'd be like, that pool looks cold. And I'm like, that's why I'm going to go jump in it. And just like random things like that, man. Like I would just always compete with my mind to take control until I got to a point now where I know that whatever I want to do, I will do and nothing else will guard me, especially temptation when guard me, my willpower will. And that's, that's so huge because I said this the other day, I can't remember where I said it, but I say it quite a bit, you know, do what is it, do what is easy and life will be hard or do what's hard and life will be easy. Yeah. I try that's and good. live my own life by, because I found, I found just, you know, if I get up and it's like, all right, there's something I have to do and it's going to be hard as hell, but it reaps a reward. But if I just snooze in bed and I'm like, ah, oh, I'll just do it tomorrow. Nothing yeah. would get done. No progress would be made. And you'd continue to, you know, fill yourself with the self doubt that you'll never actually do anything because you never made yourself actually do things that are hard. Yeah. And turn your biggest, turn your weaknesses to your strengths and find ways to do that. You know, like for me, I hated making my bed in the morning. Like, I don't know why I just get up and get out the house but now I'll make sure I make the bed proper every morning. And I turn that weakness into a strength. Now I'll take pride on that. And I believe I do that for everything in life. If I find a weakness in myself, I will go full charge into it and make that a strength within myself because I know I'll grow. I know I'll gain more out of it. I know if I sit back and hold myself back, I know I'll still stay stagnant in who I am. That's not saying I'm not happy with who I am now. It's saying that I know there's always room and for growth there's always potential for that so i always keep an open mind for opportunities in life and it's just momentum building at the end of the day too <laughs> yeah the the power of momentum where just making a bed can actually give you the difference between actually having a successful day and not having a successful day those and, little wins yeah you yeah start small build big you know, and if you do a hundred small tasks a day, that turns into something big versus trying to do one big task a day and still being pretty small. hundred percent. Like I even fast every day. And when I was fast, when I started fasting, like I was a big breakfast person. Like I'd have the bacon, I'd have the eggs, I'd have the sausages, I'd have the toast, I'd have it all. But now I'm like, I'm going to fight that temptation, not eat breakfast. So for about 80% of like the last two years I've fasted every every morning and it's now that's become a strength now i find more energy within myself from building on that and i have more energy flowing through the day and also that does come down it to being the wind because i turned that weakness into a strength because i thought i couldn't survive our breakfast you know like in life we get taught or we used to get taught i'm not sure if it is now but it used to always be said that breakfast is the most important meal of the day and I used to believe it. And then once I started fasting, I was like, I feel so much better when I don't eat. And then, but it's also making sure I get my calorie in to take it in afterwards. But having that 16 8 window for me works really good. Yeah. And, you know, that's part of your 
empowerment routine and Mm. when we talk about like you know having a structure for your day to get the best out of your day do you have a you know that's obviously one part of it do you have a morning routine that kind of you know brings you to a, a, a good state to start your day yes so morning routine is open my eyes make the bed breath work i try to get stretching in i jump on my phone so i can enter in my notes affirmations for the day or i try to write something positive about myself because that's something i used to struggle with so i'm trying to make that a strength so write something positive about myself um i'm not sure if i mentioned breath work and then i'll leave the house and it's how since you've started incorporating that morning routine how has it changed your life <laughs> i'm smiling because it makes me makes me happy man like it creates that momentum for my day you know you win your morning you you win your day mm. and if you win your day you can win the week and that carries on forever throughout life so yeah there is there is a lot of mornings when i wake up and i think to myself i don't want to do this like i don't want to do the breath work it takes work and i'm like oh, i don't want to do the notes you know it's it's just all time consuming yeah and i get caught up in my head but it's all about having that discipline though willpower within yourself to be like no i know what effect this has on myself and taking control and authority in that situation and afterwards you get reminded why you do these things every single day so you know if you have a bad day have that discipline to keep going and you'll see the results of why you keep doing the things you do and you appreciate appreciate it so much more because you'll see Mm. more of a result from going on a day that you don't want to do it versus a day that you do (laughs) I feel like the day, the days that you don't want to do it, you get the most out of it. Because yeah. I used to be the stress head that would get up in the morning, try and get a coffee in me and sprint up the house and straight away my morning stressful. And I walk into work and I'm rushing in and stressed. It's just like, well, how do you fix that? And it's creating a routine to implement to make sure you that you don't start your day stressed. Yeah. it It's so crazy just the power of my, one small habit or a few habits and how they can actually shift someone's perspective. So yeah. for people listening in that maybe they're not, you know, maybe they're not in a dark place and they're not suffering from any mental health issues, but maybe they know someone who is, how can they best support someone from your experience? There's multiple options. Um, I think you got to be open. If you know someone is trapped in their house because of their mental illness, I think it's important to ask them, are you having suicidal thoughts? I think if you beat around the bush and you don't be straightforward with people, they won't give you a straightforward answer. They'll be around the bush to give you answers that you want to hear. So ask straightforward questions like, are you feeling suicidal? Have you had suicide ideation? And that's common, man. I think, I believe it's 2 million people a year in Australia have suicide ideation. So it's not uncommon for people to have these thoughts. So ask those questions and have that conversation around that. And then once you have that conversation and they're open to having that, reach out to your resources for support, you know, go down to your GP and they can link you up with a psychologist and then potentially look online for people in the space that are into mindfulness, you know, people like Joe Dispenza or, and things like that. And Chris Walker from Travel Fit. And <laughs> 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 yeah, having those I think that's what that's the key, man. Like, if you don't know how to approach someone who's struggling with mental health, ask the most deepest question straight away. Because if you don't, you're going to get a beat around the bush answer from them. So, 
yeah, you want that transparency. And what advice would you have for people right now who might be struggling with their own mental health? And let's go to an extreme example. Maybe someone is feeling suicidal, like, and maybe they don't want to tell anyone and they feel that they're in, in a, a place where they can't get out. What, what would you say to them right now if you were in front of them and, or if they're listening that you feel would help shift their perspective? I wouldn't push them to get support because you're doing the opposite to what they are wanting to receive. So I do feel like you got to do a bit of shoulder rubbing at the start to get them open-minded to it. So I would essentially say, listen, everything's okay. You're going to be okay. I'm here. You're safe. I love you. I appreciate you. Say those words to them. Let them know they are appreciated. Let them know they are loved. But don't be pushy, like, you know, send them messages all the time, but let them know your presence is there. Mm. And soon enough, they'll be opened up. They'll be open, more opened up to share with you. And then from there on, you can have those open conversations around getting them help. Yeah, definitely. Because most people, I'm not sure if you resonate, but when I was depressed, I didn't, like, people come in, but you got to go speak to someone. No, I don't want to speak to anyone. Like I'm sitting in my bed, I'm fucking depressed. I got anxiety. I just I don't want to leave the house. And all I wanted to know, all I wanted was someone to say to me was, "I love you. I appreciate you. You were, you are worth something to me." And those words mean so much to people who are stuck in those situations and their own mental health. The power of like making someone feel valued is insane. Yeah, insane is a lot more unheard of and it is heard of people actually doing instead of people trying to fix the problem uh yeah people trying to support they always try and fix and that never really allows for people to actually think and reflect yeah exactly yeah you can't you can't go on and fix man like yeah it's like it's like that with feminine masculine energy especially you know with feminine energy most of the time they don't want to be fixed they want to be heard and seen and they can do the work themselves for their masculine energy so it's just having that um, mindfulness around that of just to make them seen and make them feel heard and let them know they're worthy and loved. Now, for you, what's happening for you in the next 12 months? What do you have in store for the mental health experience, for your own podcast, um, and even for yourself? Next 12 months, podcast just get more episodes out there, more awareness around mental health, well-being, mindfulness, and mindset. Uh, make more connections, more network. Um, so I do have a long goal-term vision for One Talk podcast. I want it to be like a live, um, like a live show with an audience and have open conversations on a live with a live audience. Um, mental health experience. I, create more events, man, get more community impact out there. More so probably around my community down in the Brisbane area. So I'd really love to create more events going into this new year. It will happen. I'm going to manifest it. Um, Cloven line, we got all our samples. So 45 North, um, that'll be getting launched very soon, which is exciting. In terms of work that I'm doing now, I believe I will stay full-time doing youth work because it's my passion, man. Like, I do all this other stuff on the side, but I love rocking up here every day at the moment. Um, yeah, I've got 
yeah, I've got a few things that I want to implement and do. It's just what's the time frame for that and when is it right for me to do? Because I do want to do like coaching courses for people, do like six week, 12 week programs, do one on one programs for people around mental health or even people who struggle with um, addiction and things like that too. So, yeah, I've got a lot of stuff in mind. It's just when the time's right, it'll get implemented. Amazing. Hey, it sounds like there's a lot happening. <laughs> Which is yeah, like, and you know, you know, the growth that you've obviously had within yourself too, and what you're you're doing at this current moment and, and for the future, like you can only see so many amazing things, you know, coming your way. And I'm super excited to see more events, more clothing with all just kind of building up and especially a live audience. That'd be sick. <laughs> Yeah, that would be so good. Be like Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> yeah, you get a you get a chair. You get a chair. <laughs> yeah, you get a chair. You get a chair. <laughs> um, so if you uh, wanted to follow your journey and come along to one of your events, uh, what social media channels can people find to be in the know of when things are happening and what you're up to and being aware? Um, mental health experience on Facebook, Instagram. YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, um, all the same platforms for 45 North with the clothing, one talk podcast for podcast updates, but I'll also all be a mental health experience too, where, I'll, where you can find all I've got a link tree on mental health experience on Instagram. Um, yeah. And if you want candles, me, me partner has a candle business called Bose Candles. So check that out on Instagram and Facebook. I love it. Buy yourself a nice smelling candle. They're beautiful. Just in time for <laughs> Christmas as well. Yeah, exactly. It is sponsored by. Oh, so good. But yeah, if I could um, leave with one, or oh, if we are wrapping up, I'd like to leave people with something is the importance of being present in the moment of in life because we can get caught up what has happened triggers of our trauma or we can get caught up in the future with triggers of our anxiety but once you bring your consciousness to the present moment and respond and not react you'll see outcomes in your life just from the impact you're given to your daily existence so if someone cuts you off and starts road raging have a breath don't let it impact you and keep driving. Just constantly be present in the moment. And that's what is keeping me very happy right now in life. And also everyone that is around me. And yeah, but <laughs> yeah. being present in the moment is huge, man. And for one, one last thing, if you had one book and one uh one book and one podcast that you'd recommend people, what would they be to really shift their perspective? Podcast, I would say, I'd actually say the One Talk podcast, my podcast with Todd Jarrett. It's like a three-hour episode talking about breath work, meditation, masculine and feminine energy. So yeah, that was, yeah. that was, that was actually not just the best podcast I've been a part of, but one of the best I've listened to. That was really powerful. So yeah, that one with Todd Jarrett from the One Talk podcast. And book, can I recommend two? I've got two. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so 
first one is Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins because through my story and journey of life, I love to see other people's journeys that have made that transition from their worst of the worst to their best of the best. And seeing that transition through David Goggins was awesome. So David, David Goggins Can't Hurt Me and also The Way of the Superior Men by David Dieter. That book really taught me on how to be a masculine man, but also be in my feminine and how to show up as I am for my partner in life. Like I read that book in a time of my life where I didn't want a relationship. I wanted to be single forever. I read that book. I found the love of my life about six months later and I've had the most healthiest relationship I could even think of. So I give a lot of credit to that book. I've listened to it about five times in the last two years. So yeah, David Dieter, The Way of the Superior Man is amazing. It is a really good book. I must say, yeah. the old day and the wow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wow. To be honest. <laughs> but so impactful, especially for like young, young men who might have not had a father figure in their life or they haven't been led mm. in a certain way. Huge, huge book um, for giving you some of that. I guess, a male role model when it comes to relationships and understanding self and the way, just the way that men and women are is so impactful. It is, yes. And, you know, for women to listen to that too, to understand the masculine or the male in the room and or the male that they're with or male in their life is huge too. Give them an understanding as well as gives men a big insight. Like I found a lot about myself in that book and that's what really allowed me to tap into my feminine and be able to be, you know, be emotional and things like that and be okay with feeling like that. Mm. So that book was just, yeah. And you can get, it's, it's free on YouTube as well. So just type it on YouTube, The Way of Superior Men, David Dieter. Like they don't have to pay for it. So no excuses. You all no, have to listen to it. <laughs> listen to it, I mean. <laughs> well, but I, I'm also writing the book, um, but that will be out. I'm not sure when it's out. I'm not going to put a time period on it because I want to let it flow. But yeah, just to put a bit of build up around that. Have you have you told anyone that you're writing a book or is this a... Not publicly. Only like my you, close, close... You heard it here first. <laughs> Travel Fit Podcast. Right. has got a book coming. Thank you. Number one bestseller. <laughs> uh, amazing. Well, I just wanted to say thank you so much for you know sharing your wisdom, your story and your experiences to help people open their minds, learn some tools and tactics to get their own perspective or support a friend, but also, you know, giving so much value in the sense of, you know, books, podcasts, um, your perspective and allowing people who are listening in to know that it is okay. And, you know, that whatever you're going through right now isn't the end. And it's only a new opportunity to be reborn into something more powerful and new and improved than you were before. Yes. And thank you for having me, man. It's like I get the opportunity to sit here and spread this message because you're creating the space for me to do so. So props to you for allowing myself and probably similar people to myself to share their message around the world in this podcast, but also the events that you do through Travel Fit and everything that you do for Travel Fit and just the person that you show up as as a man. And it's very amazing and beautiful to know you, brother, because We've only known each other for a short period of time, but I feel like our connection and spirit has been connected a lot longer than that. Mm. So I appreciate you, brother, and thank you for your time. Hey, thank you. So glad that we've been able to connect over the, 
these this period of growth and this time. It's, yeah. For everyone listening, we went to a really sick event together, <laughs> wild personal development event. It honestly just knocked my socks off. Yeah, um, mind blow of three days. Uh, what is it? The Dream Out Loud method. Um, yeah. There's a little uh, cheeky shout out for Morgan there on the podcast. <laughs> uh, if you get the opportunity to go to the Dream Out Loud method, would recommend it because it literally shifted both our perspectives and really opened our eyes to a lot that we didn't actually realize <laughs> we were still. Yeah. Um, but thank you again so much. Um, I wish you all the best for the future and I will speak to you soon. Thanks so much for listening in, guys. I really hope you enjoyed that episode and got some value out of it. If you did get some value out of that episode and you really did enjoy it, then share it with a friend or family member. Share us on social media, leave us a review, and help us make a bigger impact in the world today. The more we can inspire people to better themselves and level up their life through self-development, whether it be one little tip here or there, makes all the difference and you might even save a life. Again, thanks so much for listening in, and we'll see you next time.